Of course, that is the uh, recorded voice of Merle Kelch, which can only mean one thing. We are going to try and attempt to make some financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. And now we bring in the live voice of Merle Kelch. How was Hi. your week? How was your week? Well, the, the week was busy. Uh, a lot of doctoring. Of course, uh, folks, my mom is 82, and she's got a lot of doctoring coming up over the next month. And uh, I get the election of taking mom to the doctor every day for the next uh, month. So, um, yay. But uh, it's all good. Hey, thank, uh, thankful for uh, good Wi-Fi in the lobby because then you can still get work done, right? Well, truth be told, uh, last couple of days I sat in and I had, to, I had half nodded off. So I need to get a bigger hat so they can't see me sleeping in the uh, reception <laughs> area. So. Yeah, it was supposed to be a, 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 a twenty-minute meeting turned into two hours the first day, and mm-hmm. oh lord! So, uh, but you know, everything's good. Mom's good. She's happy. I just have to fight off uh, her wanting to have lunch every day, and and as uh, I uh, take a block off and I have to run to the office and still mm-hmm. get some work done yet. So, yeah, it, it, indeed. And uh, the, you know, the work this week was uh, well. I would say I would say fair based on based on the news that uh, that I saw. What was uh, your assessment of things this you week? You know that. The economy at this particular point in time, at least in the onset, is looking like it's getting better, but it's not quite um, accurate in a sense. You know, one of the biggest things that came out was a GDP, which is a gross domestic product. And I'm trying to, I was just trying to pop up the numbers I had in front of me, but I know I'm pretty close. So I think the GDP came up, it was, I think I believe it was 2.6%. So which on the outside, you look at it and go, yes, we're not shrinking. We're not going into a recession, that whole bit. But the things we have to look at in the inside is the numbers aren't quite right. <clears throat> we look at the data that's around here. Yeah, we're holding up. Jobs are holding up. Business is holding up. Profits actually holding up to a certain degree for many companies. But what we saw inside of the GDP report, which the amazingly we saw the current administration running around touting as the world's greatest thing, the bulk of it happened because of two things. One, because of imports and exports, which oddly enough, first quarter of 22, we had a negative GDP because of imports and exports. Uh, well, now we have a positive GDP because of it. That and largely more um, even because of inventories and swelling inventories. So so both of those things, um, we're, we're not having the, the big GDP and growth that we suspected. So like anything else, you look at it on the outside, it's like, yippee. Then you look on the inside and went, uh, this still isn't quite right yet. So what happened with imports and exports is with China and other countries um, not accepting uh, you know, uh, and exporting as much, our imports are still going out. So it looks like we had a great number. We're doing a bunch of sales. No, it's just that they were closed. You know, COVID was there. And so with that, uh, they weren't sending out as much. So what we were sending out looked like is a much better number. Add to GDP. Companies really swelled up their inventories in that fourth quarter. So was it because of Christmas? Was it because they're trying to build an inventory for what's coming up? But the unfortunate part is if you're a company and you have a whole great big warehouse full of widgets and you have a recession and now you need to sell those widgets to have cash, what do you have to do? Mark them down. Mark them down. So yep. now you're not having the same amount of gross margin you were doing instead of your profits coming into a recessionary period of time just not the best situation so now the other part of that is that the, the markets are, are uh, looking at this saying hey this isn't bad now they might say well if we're going to have a recession which i think we're going to and i've been saying all along how deep we don't know um why is the risk the market's going yippee well because remember if we slow down into a recession the federal reserve stops interest rate increases and then hopefully pivots and starts lowering them and so that's what the economy i'm sorry the marketplace is looking for is saying well are we about done with this are interest rates going to go up and now it's the foregone conclusion and the bets 
among the odds maker in the marketplace that we're going to see a quarter point increase next week, Wednesday. Um, I think that's going to be accurate. But the question is, is how long are they going to continue to keep increasing interest rates? Do they have a stop point? Do they say we're going to slow down? And so everybody's going to be reading the words, not the quarter point increase next week. Yeah, indeed. And uh, that's what, what's coming up. All right, I'm done is... now. We can stop the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, just to, just to give you an idea of uh, of how this works, again, as I mentioned last week, once peel back the curtain a bit, uh, Merle just came in and sat down, uh, as usual, about uh, two or three minutes before we go on air. I ask him something like that, and he can go right off the cuff like that and uh, <laughs> take you inside the numbers. That 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 just tells you how good he is uh, at his job. Of course, our banter is just uh, filler for your phone calls. Those phone lines are open at 715-845-2155. So if you have a question for Merle, go ahead and give us a call and uh, you know, as you mentioned, the uh, the quarter point hike in the interest rates uh, expected to come on Wednesday. What does that mean for, uh, I guess, for, you know, people like me uh, that uh, may just have a, uh, some money in a savings account and, yeah, yeah. and don't really do much as far as the markets go? Well, it's it's got an ever-expanding effect, but the dramatic effect between us as consumers is if we, one, have a variable rate mortgage. Now, you and I have talked about this and you have a fixed rate mortgage. By the mm-hmm. way, this young man has got a five hundred thousand dollar home. <laughs> well, maybe not. Um, but you know, one his day, wife maybe. has a fixed rate mortgage, and so with that, um, your mortgage rate is it sub three or is it three? It's it is below three. Well, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. You will never ever see that again in your lifetime. Exactly. More than likely. I think I said it last week too, but I know I've had the conversation with clients over the course of the week where I've had some uh, some thirty somethings. I'm talking to me inside my office. They said, we were going to buy a house, but we're going to stop. We're going to wait for interest rates to get back down to 3%. And my next thing was, you're never going to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, so Maybe, but I mean, not for a really long time. You know, the, the normal interest rates that happen, um, you know, inflation is generally about 4% on average. We've even had below that at two, mm-hmm. at least for the national average, if you're bringing in the, tw- uh, the 80s in here. So, so with it, the interest rates uh, for many people are going to look at it and say, well, maybe I'm not going to buy the house. Now, we've seen mortgage rates come down a tad uh, just recently, but we'll see those mortgage rates drift back up again. So it's slowing down the housing economy because of the perception that interest rates or mortgage rates, I'm sorry, um, at 6% are way too high. I'm telling you that that's actually kind of the, the norm. We've just been below norm for a long time. So, so with that, I think eventually people start – you know, addressing that. The other part of it is, as we I first started out saying, is the adjustable rate mortgages. Yeah, the adjustable rate mortgages. If, if some people started out at two, I, I know somebody was actually at one seven eight for two years or something. Then they jumped up. Well, all those mortgage rates. If your mortgage was at a thousand dollars at two percent interest, now at four, you're now at two. And if you're jumping up again in a year or two to six, well, now your thousand dollar mortgage could be nearing three, and you're going, oh lordy, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's where the difficult is going to be, that and credit cards. You know, um, don't have any credit card debt. You shouldn't anyway, but especially now because interest rates are going to go up right. probably even more. I mean, if we have a slowdown in the economy with credit card debt and that type of debt, it's going to shoot you right in the foot, and that's the biggest thing you got to watch for. Yeah, indeed. And uh, keep those keep those card balances down as low as possible, or as you said, better uh, better yet, not at all. Now, of course, you can make credit cards work for you, but you have to use them properly, right? Oh, sure. I mean, I use credit cards on an ongoing basis, um, um, but they also get paid up each month. Mm-hmm. And so I use them for convenience. 
um, and uh, then pay them up. You know, I'm not a fan of credit cards, and I have it. In fact, uh, my friends actually joke with me because I, I had to get a credit card a year ago. And he said, you don't have a credit card? I said, yeah, I just, I just hate them. I don't want any. And uh, so finally, um, I couldn't rent cars anymore when I'd travel because they wouldn't accept the debit card. You had to have a proper credit card. Sure. So then I had to have a credit card. So at the time, my bank says, do you want this amount? I said, why do I need that amount on a credit card? So I said, just make it 10000 bucks. That's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found that that wasn't quite enough. So I had, <laughs> had to go back and say, all right, a little bit more. Um, and it's not because I, I didn't spend it, but I don't know if you know this, folks, but it's something I just discovered is that if you have a credit card with a limit of $10,000, and if you charge $5,000 on it for something you're doing on a trip or something, um, uh, all of a sudden it dings your credit report because you're using more than a third of your credit card balance. Mm-hmm. I looked around and said, what? This is just ridiculous. So that's why I had to have the limit go up so I wasn't <laughs> getting dinged like that. Sure. Because you go on to take a trip or something, you're going to spend you know, a few thousand bucks as you're going around. Um, uh, so it's like, oh, geez. And so, but uh, I, I pay them off all the time and they and, hate me for it, I'm sure. Indeed. And, and of course, and, and if you're doing it like that, you can make money off it. If you have some sort of rewards program or, uh, or cash back or something like that, then yeah, dude, you're, you're making it work for you. Instead well, of amazingly, you. they say have some sort of points or rewards and I haven't even signed up. I don't even know what they mean. <laughs> <laughs> you might be, you might be leaving a few hundred bucks on the table like that. Then there, I'll, I'll turn around and give yeah. you yeah. some advice. You, you help me with the tech. I'll help you with the numbers. Okay? Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense here on AM five. 50 FM 99.9 WSAU. Again, no, we will take some of your calls and uh, get some more information on the week that was in the markets after this. We we legally have to play that so many times a show, by the way. Three times a show. In, yeah. in case you, you were wondering why you hear that uh, over and over again here, we do legally have to play that. Yeah, what it really is, I just like to hear my voice. <laughs> <laughs> he is Merle Kelch. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. We are making financial sense here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. Just off the air, I was teaching Merle um, about some things with credit cards, and now Merle is going to teach me something about uh, a a a gold is this a golden goose? You have found the golden goose, <laughs> the golden cross. Oh, okay. But you're close. Okay, okay. So this is an article, and pardon me, Joseph, because I'm going to butcher your last name once again. But I'm sure Joseph may not be listening. Uh, Joseph Adolfi. There we go. Got it. Best I got. So the S&P 500 nears its first golden cross in two and a half years, but that doesn't guarantee more gains ahead, which is the title to the article. Now, you might be saying, well, what in the heck is a golden cross? Well. A golden cross is something that actually pops up once in a while, and it tends to measure and move forward to trends. So trends are our friend, as they always say, inside of the marketplace. And so it tends to say, well, where's the market actually going? So that said, what it is is if you have a 50-day moving average of the market, and it passes up the 200-day moving average of the marketplace, it tends to show a trend that the economy of, I'm sorry, the market is expanding. Again, not the economy, but the market. So the S&P 500 um, just did that this past week. And so most of the time, in fact, according to this article, 71% of the time, it shows that the market is going to continue to keep having some great performance, at least in the year ahead. In fact, they're saying 12 months. So that being said, the Dow did it in December. We saw the Dow have a great December, of course, have a, a really nice January. And so it appears as though... The momentum is moving forward in the markets. Now, again, not talking about the economy, folks, mm-hmm. just the markets. And so it's uh, had, of course, a few blips along the way. And, in fact, if we take a look at this, it had a blip in 1999 just before the dot-com bubble burst. 
as well as the 1986 uh, just preceding uh, Black Monday's October 87 crash. So it's not perfect, but most of the time it tends to, tends to show us where the momentum, momentum is going. We haven't seen this happen in two and a half years. So um, good news for the momentum of the market. Again, not talking about the economy. So if I may, uh, because while you like the metrics of the market, I like the metrics of uh, baseball. So this is, say, a uh, 300 hitter that in his last so many plate appearances is hitting 370 or is outpacing what he normally would do. Is yeah. that correct? And the pitcher's fastball is 70 miles an hour. Okay. So, <laughs> the, odds, the odds are Well, really if good. you're a major league hitter and you're, <laughs> you're going up against 70 miles an hour consistently, yes, you absolutely should be hitting about 400 or 450, but I digress. Yeah. I got on one of those radars one time, my friend. I backed up, let it all I had, and I got all the way up to 60. (laughs) (laughs) I I was more in the range of 40. I was the junk baller that you would uh, throw out there for an inning or so just to confuse guys. But again, uh, so this, yeah, so what you're saying, though, as we we just kind of boil it down is, you know, the markets have been uh, better in the last few weeks than they've been in the last few months, and that's usually a good sign, correct? Well, exactly. What it is is they're showing that there's momentum, for people buying into the marketplace. Um, so it's not only people, but it's, you know, companies, institutions, et cetera, et cetera. And this really kind of, you know, calls into, you know, what we were talking about before. You know, is the economy coming to a point now where the Fed's going to say, well, we've had enough. We're not going to increase interest rates. We're going to slow stuff down. Let's see things how it goes. Uh, the job market has still been very, very good, very, very positive. Um, so it all kind of still ties together. So what do we do between now and Wednesday? Uh, nothing. You just relax. Let's see what happens on Wednesday. Again, everybody's going to wait for that report and the notes that they have inside of the articles, which I think get released. I think those get released on Thursday. So I'm going memory mm-hmm. in my head on this one. But um, everybody wants to know what the Fed's going to do and what their next move is, and that's part of the, uh, uh, the, the whole fun we get to see. Yes, and then over the next couple of days as well, the other thing uh, that, that you don't um, investors, I should say, will probably be watching is we're getting up to what's uh, called the uh, LBD. Now, to some, that might mean the little black dress that uh, their significant other might wear um, on a special night out. But to, I wouldn't uh, have gone there. Tell me about that. <laughs> but to, uh, to Merle, that means, uh, and anybody that works on commission-based sales, that means last business day of the month. And that's, of course, coming up just before the uh, the suppose or the uh hike that we're all anticipating in interest rates well it tends to be the uh, uh the window dressing as they call it so what's interesting folks in in people can tell you this doesn't happen but the mathematical evidence says that it does so you have a mutual fund or a money manager that hasn't been doing crap for the whole month all of a sudden happens in the last couple of days and they'll uh, make some swings just to try to make that month look better by the end of the month <clears throat> and again Nobody says they do it, but the math shows that they do. Um, and you look at it, and so we get to see that just before the Fed. So it'll be interesting to see what happened. But, you know, throughout the course of this week, this the Dow this past week um, was up. And, again, I'm reading from uh, uh, just a generalized article from Christina Zelius and Joseph Andolfi. We'll go with it's it. It's a beauty. It's I mean, I 
I don't even know where to start. Sort of like uh, the Greek freak. I look at his last Giannis name. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yep. I, I, if I read it, I'm going to have to just memorize it phonetically. If I look at it, I exactly. can read it. Exactly. And, that's and this is one I've of those done. names. You know, so, anyway. So, so we look at it. The, the market was actually up this past week. Um, the Dow Jones Industrial Average um, was up uh, 28 points uh, and having six straight days of gains and one of its longest winning streaks since October. So, again, pointing towards moving forward in that. So what I found interesting in here is there was just a ton of hoopla on a couple of companies in the tech sector this past week. And, and I'm going to say that I can say the name on Intel because I'm not going to recommend whether you buy it or sell it. But I have to look at some of this and you think about um, the mindset that goes into a lot of things inside the marketplace because we tend to look at things in such a instant now gratification thing in the investment marketplace. And so we go back, and one of the troubles and problems that the U.S. tech sector has been having has been the control of chips outside of America. And so um, Intel had a president that was stinking. Um, they brought in somebody who originally helped bring Intel to the dance many years ago. They brought him back. And one of the first things he said was, well, they want to have chips made back in America. We're going to bring them back. And they invested billions of dollars inside of plants to uh, start getting chips made. So those plants are in route. They're not done yet, and I expect probably a year, year and a half will be done in building chips here in America. So with it, Intel looks at this. One, PC sales are down. We're, we're doing iPads now. I mean, we're not doing as many PCs as we did. But it, iPads are selling sales in a couple of different places, and they're having problems getting chips. All the problems we thought about. So they've got a mountain of cash. Um, they've invested in some money. And their market, play, their uh, market. I'm sorry, their their stock drops 10% on Friday at one point in time, and we're looking at it ends up up. What was interesting to me is you see the news coverage, you see the stock market go back down, and then all of a sudden you see the market, the the stock just driving up, and and I look at this and I think to myself, you know, I bet there's just a ton of money, like institutional money, going in there, because they're not buying the stock for one month, three months. They're buying it for three, five years down the road. And they're buying this stuff up on great sale right now. Um, and uh, so it's an interesting day to watch in a particular stock. So um, we'll have to see what happens over time. But it was interesting to see how that happened and came back up. He is Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. Your news headlines coming up here in just a moment. And we'll be back with more after this. It is 8.34 on this Saturday morning here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. I am Mike Leishner. We are joined by Merle Kelch. As always, our uh, our chat is just uh, filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. So if you've got a question for Merle, go ahead and uh, give us a call here. And uh, Merle, as again, we were talking about... What's to come this week as far as the economy goes? Uh, obviously, a couple of pieces of uh, of big news. And I'm sure your clients, as always, want to uh, – they want the crystal ball as to uh, what you believe is going to happen, which uh, you will eventually will into, uh, into being, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, everybody calls me, all the uh, – you know, the president and – no, they, they you yeah them. actually what no no what the what the interesting thing is uh is Merle and and I've 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 uh, <clears throat> seen this he actually has the dial on his desk 
that controls the gas prices. That's that's it. That's me. <laughs> I, uh... it, it is completely facetious, by the way. <laughs> completely facetious. I say that with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek. Yeah. So, so the markets um, uh, on Friday are driving because of some of the stuff we were talking about before. The uh, personal consumption expenditures, called a PCE, um, uh, was actually down a little bit. So over the, it was down about 5% for a year-on-year. Uh, Bureau of Economic Analysts said inflation on a year-over-year basis slowed down to 5.5% for November. Remember, we were at 66 prior. And so, so with this, it looks like inflation continues to keep having to drive down. And that was one of the precipitous. And, folks, this is still continuing on with uh, the highlights of the market from Christine Adizelius and Joseph Andy Nolfi. I think I might got it. <laughs> might have, yeah. Uh, and Nolfi. There we go. And we're just going to stay with that. So so it looks like inflation continues coming back. Um, uh, and, again, uh, waiting to see what's going to happen next week with the Fed. So we think that a quarter point um, rate along one of the last hawkish in the trail from this article that they're saying it's talking about next week. So the U.S. economy combined with optimism surrounding China's reporting. Uh, by the way, China's not doing so hot at the moment. Their economy mm-hmm. is enormously slow. Um, as we found out, when you shut the economy off, it shuts it off, and starting it up is really a bear. Um, fortunately, we shut it off for a short period of time, comparative to China, who continue to kept doing it in their cities. And, and, city, and folks, China's cities are just massive. I mean, they're huge. Mm-hmm. Um, their cities are the size of countries. And when they shut them down, it causes a huge disruption all over the place. And they're feeling that all over the place. So when China reopens, um, we're probably going to see um, an increase of fuel prices uh, globally, which, of course, is going to mean an increase of fuel prices here, too. Um, So that's one of the things we're starting to see that trickle, those fuel prices going up, Mm -hmm. which uh, just shows you how wise I am. I didn't fill up two days ago my truck. I get to do it today at 15 cents per fuel per gallon (laughs) more. So... Um, uh, that being said, um, hang in there for a few days for next week. We'll see what kind of window dressing happens from the companies we talked about. Yes, indeed. And uh, that's, that's again, we're also waiting on the uh, quarter point uh, or anticipated quarter point uh, hike on interest rates. Well, so. uh, what Would it be, um, you know, how much of a shock, I guess, to the market uh, would it be in your opinion? Uh, because, again, um, to go back to the disclaimer, we make forward-looking statements which may not come true on this uh, program. Uh, which is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Uh, say the Fed were to surprise us all and go with a half point increase. What kind of an impact uh, would you think that might have? I bet we'd see a five or seven hundred point drop in a market almost instantly uh, when that happens, it's because it's unforeseen what they think. Um, they being the markets and the markets don't like to have that type of surprise. Um, but I. Personally, I wish that the Federal Reserve actually would increase it a half a percent. Let's increase it a half a percent and get it done and then slow down um, rather than this continual bloodletting, if you will, as time goes on. I'd rather see it done and uh, 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 be finished and, and move from that standpoint versus a quarter, 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 as time may be. But um, that's my opinion. But I think it's going to be a quarter. So we saw Elon Musk make a lot of money on Friday. Of course. Uh, some $12 billion. Of course, he lost $200 billion throughout the course of the year, so he made some back. Mm-hmm. Either way, he's not starving. I'm fairly certain he's not worried about where his next meal is going to come right. from or any of his 10 children are you know, hungry either. So an article by Claudia Assis. I'll see. That's an easy name. Even I can pronounce that one. So Tesla stock, pardon me, jumps 11% to have its best week in a decade. Well, as it comes around, um, uh, Tesla makes money. Huh, weird. Mm-hmm. First time in years. No, it's just easy. 
So they waste some money, uh, their profitability, their outlook, and everything went up. Um, interestingly enough, that happened inside of a week uh, within recently here. They actually announced that they're going to reduce some prices in cars. So people think, is it because they're uh, margin or they're not selling? And the answer is no, they're selling. But they reduce the prices, it goes into that little bit of a gap where people can get the $7,500 credit for buying their vehicles based upon the new rules. And that looks like what they're going to do. So we'll see how that rolls out for them. But uh, pretty smart how they do so. Interestingly enough, there's a whole bunch of conversation this past week on saying, what is Tesla? Is it a tech company or is it a car manufacturer? And I've said it on this program for two years. They make cars. They're a car manufacturer. Now, they have some tech in their cars, which mm-hmm. they have uh, systems that control everything, which are pretty neat, and we're seeing every other manufacturer doing that. Um, even now, my you know my truck, which is an old diesel truck, folks, has got tech in it that does stuff I'm not sure what it does. By the way, I did see something funny last weekend. Okay. I'm sitting on the ice with my truck ice fishing, and I start up my truck, and the thing pops up and says, warning, it might be icy. <laughs> uh, you know, watch, watch your driving. Ice I possible. tried to get a picture. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. I'm oh, on yeah. the ice. You know, but um, but the, the tech is, you know, popping into it and popping into the vehicles. And so there's a big conversation with that. And the reason for that is that um, right now Tesla's got, you know, double-digit profit margins. In fact, um, if I remember right, I thought they said 16 or 18% profit margin in their cars. Might have even been more. Um, but General Motors, Ford, and these guys have single digits, like uh, 6 7% profit margins. So the question becomes is does Tesla come down to that because they're a car manufacturer? Um, uh, are, are they that much different than what they do? So uh, that was the interesting thing I saw from this past week with Tesla. Now, if you're a Tesla stockholder, yippee, you know. <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, Elon Musk made some money. Um, he's probably going to be okay. He's got only got 429 million shares um, of Tesla. So if he uh, has to sell a few shares, he'll still be all right. Yeah, he's got to keep Twitter afloat somehow because yeah. I saw something. He, well, that's he what had, he's done. He yeah. had sunk some of his own money into Twitter as well this week to pay off some some debt there because, again, uh, he can afford to lose that much money, which is, of course, a luxury. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, you, 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 and you mentioned that as well. And uh, – you know the the debate not to not to get into a debate on air, but I know some of Tesla's technology as well has made its way into SpaceX because they say if you are in one of those Dragon capsules, it is just like driving a Tesla. Everything's kind of laid out in front of you with the uh, different motors, the touchscreen. The yes, the motors are slightly different. <laughs> I I will not uh, will not uh, argue with you on that, but uh, so you, you know one could say, well, if Tesla begins to sell this technology to other companies, does that make them a tech company? Cart? Horse? Anyone? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> the, the original design of Tesla, and uh, which which I happen to agree with, and by the way, I'm not against EVs, cars, electric mm-hmm. vehicles. I'm just not. I, I think they're a great idea. I think, especially inside of a city, to get rid of pollution, using an electric car makes a lot of sense. Um, I think there's a lot of people who have visions of how to charge them um, is, is different that, you know, the, oh, the, the electric cars are cleaner and better for the environment. Well, I, I don't think that they're much different because you still have to get a plant of some sort to sure. create the electricity to charge it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we miss on that. But the original vision that um, Elon Musk had is that your home be full of a whole bunch of solar chargers. And while you're at work throughout the course of the daytime, is charging up a battery pack and battery system. Then when you pull in your Tesla, it goes from the battery pack from you charging the day charges your Tesla. That was the original design. I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. If we can do that to work, that'd be great. And I would have no issue buying that 
um, uh, for a vehicle. Would have no issue with that. Um, as it is right now, a, a Tesla car doesn't do my lifestyle. I pull campers and yep. pull trailers and tractors and stuff around it. And, and, you know, they may do that, but it's probably going to look a little odd having your Tesla pulling a tractor. I'm mm-hmm. just thinking, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, but eventually, I think um, they can get there, but they got to get that solar component. Because if we all had a Tesla, or let's say an electric car not picking on Tesla, um, there's no way we'd have the infrastructure necessary to um, uh, to charge everything. It's mm-hmm. just impossible to actually have that happen in a workable time frame. And so at some other point in time where there's going to be issues in here. So that solar part of it has got to be part of it. And I wish if I were a Tesla shareholder, which I'm not, um, uh, not because I dislike them, I just don't have their shares, um, I would be saying, okay, let's talk about how we do this. Mm-hmm. So we buy the car for, I'm picking a number, 50000 um, but we think there should also be a discounted package for the $30,000 or $20,000 worth of solar to make it work in my garage so I don't have to keep plugging into the system. I think that should be the next move if I'm on the board of directors of Tesla. I, I, I think that's absolutely brilliant as well. You know, that uh, it makes a whole lot of sense. We'll see if we can uh, send the podcast to Elon Musk and see what he thinks about that. <laughs> Let's see if he'll join us here. Yeah, indeed. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. Still got time for one or two of your phone calls at 715-845-2155. And uh, I said the uh, word caller enough because we've got one on the line right now. So good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Morning. Yeah, Merle. Hello? Yes, I have oh. a question. Okay. Uh, about ETFs versus mutual funds, what would your be your recommendation? Both. How's that for an answer? <laughs> no. Okay. Neither one? No, yeah, both. You know, here, here's the thing. Um, ETFs are less expensive on the inside, 100% guaranteed. Um, I'll see a lot of people that will have ETFs. And they don't know what's on the inside of them. That's the part that's really troublesome to me. I've said on this program for a long time, if you're going to buy an ETF, know what what's on the inside. And my easiest example for that, sir, is um, we'll have some people say, well, I want to buy a gold ETF. Well, when exchange traded funds, which is ETF, started out, you could buy your portion of 100,000 ounces of gold, for example. So you had your ETF as that part of 100 ounces of gold. It was actually physical gold that somebody had stored someplace. Well, then it morphed into, well, my gold uh, ETF is not, not going to have gold. It's just going to have stocks of a bunch of gold companies. And then it morphed into, well, maybe it's going to have some gold companies plus some um, gold options on the inside. And it's just always, all of them would always say some sort of a name and then gold ETF. But inside of each one of them, the composition inside were different. And, and so with that, so many people are buying ETFs and you don't know what's on the inside. So the other part that tends to happen on it is this. I know if I buy a mutual fund, I'm going to pay a percent, maybe even a percent and a half of a fee internally inside that mutual fund. I know that. Um, and as a result of that, that's what the fee is. But if I go out and I buy an ETF, um, my fee might only be you know, 0.2 or 0.3 or 0.4 maybe as far as the fee goes. But if I don't know what I'm buying, I have to have an advisor or a broker or somebody help me buy it. And then they're charging me a percent or a percent and a half to buy the ETF which is 0.2 or 0.4, and I end up spending more money. Does that make sense? 
that's the part that tends to drive me crazy about ETFs. Now, hey, you've been very, very helpful. Thank well, you. you're welcome. Now, that said, uh, for you, sir, and for Mike and for everybody listening, we will use ETFs. Um, and um, I love ETFs, for example, in like the rare earth marketplace. So those clients say, well, hey, I want to buy this company. So let's just buy an ETF. And why? Because, well, let's buy all the companies in that area. And rare earth is amazing because uh, it's so rare. Uh, um, but you can buy a bunch of the companies inexpensive. One of the things I'll find, for example, if I'm looking at um, um, putting together a portfolio for a client, and in certain times I can't find companies in the small cap value area that I like. So I'll look for individual companies. There's not that many that for what I want for my parameters. And for my mutual funds, there might be two, and they might be stinking. I'm saying, oh, geez. So what I'll do is I'll look at an ETF that will have essentially all the companies I want to buy inside of one ETF, and I can buy the whole section of the economy of whatever that part I want within my parameters. And so with that, ETFs are very efficient for me to do so. And so I'll use them as a tool to do those types of options. So they're great, but, again, we have to know what they are. Wonderful arrow in a quiver, though. All right. Thank you for the call there. And, again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We might have time for uh, one or two more, depending on how lengthy the answer is, of course. But uh, well, first, I, I can really talk slower. <laughs> that, that too, yes. <laughs> but first, uh, here is uh, Chris Conley in this day on WSAU. There it is. That is our uh, final disclaimer here on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. And we do have somebody on the phone right now. Uh, good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Good morning, sir. What's your name? My name is Kirk, K-I-R-K. Hi, Kirk. Captain How are you Kirk, today? of course. Yes. I'm well, thanks. I hope everyone out there is. Um, it's cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no. I just wanted to share with you something I, I heard just the other day. And uh, a friend of mine has an electric vehicle, and I told him, I said, 95% of electric vehicles are still on the road. And then I followed up and I said, but the other 5% made it back home. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great weekend, fellas. Thanks, Kurt. <laughs> Again, 715-845-2155, the number to call there. Uh, we, we will take your uh, your cheesy dad jokes as well as uh, your questions what's, here. What's interesting about that is uh, true stories. Okay. Uh, if your Tesla dies on the side of the highway because you ran out of gas, mm-hmm. um, they bring a, a van with a big diesel generator yep. to charge it up, and that kind of yep. cracks me up. You'd think that. Well, when they have a van that's just full of a whole bunch of battery power, mm-hmm. just to make it consistent with the theme, but that's interesting. And one time in my life, I actually had to charge a um, uh, oh, what's the Toyota Prius? A Prius, um, yeah. I had to jump one. You can actually jump start a Prius. Okay, which I thought was kind of interesting to figure that out. So uh, but, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So you can jump start a Prius. I've actually have done that. So, <laughs> right, um, just amazing. That that might be another story uh, for <laughs> for another time. Here, we're wrapping things up on Making Financial Sense on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. got about four minutes left. Uh, Merle, what uh, what else are, are you looking at here this week? Well, I just had this beautiful article up on it. Oh, there, it came back again. Look at there. There we go. So an article that pops up by Jessica Hall. Now, see, I can read Jessica Hall easily. 
Of course. That's good. All right, so the article says, what an average retirement lifestyle, or you want an average retirement lifestyle. You'll need more than a million dollars, sometimes a lot more in these cities. Well, it's amazing to me in this is I take my perspective from, uh, you know, uh, living and working here inside of the Wausau area, and we have a mountain of our clients that are not millionaires. I mean, they're just everyday people that save and have some money, and they're retiring just fine. I have had um, clients of ours that are multimillionaires and uh, are barely making it on an annual basis. And so it all really kind of comes down into the lifestyle as you choose, as we've heard from mom and dad and grandpa, our whole lifetime. But nationally, retirees would need an average nest egg of approximately $1.07 million. Meanwhile, a retiree in San Francisco, of course, as we'd expect, would need apparently $1.3 million. Um, and if you're looking at some place inside of, oh, where was it in Pennsylvania? You'll need about $800,000 in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So in here, um, it all depends upon where you live. But what I find is always interesting is I had a practice in Milwaukee for a long time. Um, and, of course, now being inside of Wausau. But as you become more and more rural, the amount that you need to live becomes less and less because your lifestyle is just much simpler. Um, we have clients that have the ability to live on Social Security, and they're multimillionaires. Um, we have also, again, some people who just spend way beyond their means. So it all depends upon where your lifestyle becomes. You know, I work in hard, and my wife, I think, is going crazy by this. But you know, I work hard at this to say that um, when I retire, I want to be able to live on Social Security. I want Social Security to be able to cover my bills. Mm-hmm. And anything else I want to do will come from other investments of that whole bit. But I want to have the ability to say, well, I want Social Security to be able to cover the bills. Mm-hmm. I choose to do that because I'm thrifty. And my friends who are listening to me right now are laughing uncontrollably <laughs> because I'm not really thrifty. I just don't like paying full price for whatever I buy. All right, so, right. So so that being the case, so I work really hard at that. We, we make sure that we you know, have the bills paid. We try to pay stuff off in cash. We don't like loans between my wife and I. So our plan is that at some particular point in time we retire, uh, we're not going to have all those bills. Yep. And we'll essentially have, you know, you have your heat, lights, taxes, and food. Um, whatever else, we'll, we'll do something else with. Um, so so that's the goal. But that's our plan, what we want to do. And I do that because I'm thrifty. Did you hear that, guys? And I guarantee they're still rolling. <laughs> so um, so it's interesting. So I guess the, the biggest thing about this article, when you hear articles like this, is don't become disheartened. It simply comes down to the saying, well, how much do we need to uh, spend and and have our lives, you know, throughout the course of the year. And you know, we factor our Social Security into that and say, do we have enough to cover the difference? And the answer is yes, you're, you're on that road for retirement. This kind of goes back into a conversation we had a few weeks ago was, um, you know, people say, well, with the market being down last year, I can't retire. And you go through the math and say, yeah, you still can because your income is going to only be down two or $300 a month. And if that two or $300 a month was going to affect you being able to retire or not, you probably didn't have enough to be able to retire anyway to start with. And so um, you're probably fine, folks. If you wanted to retire this year and this is your year, you're probably fine. But seek some conversations with a retirement professional to try to help you get some of those math and answers done. And if they want to do that with you, uh, how do they get a hold of you here in Wausau? Uh, bring your long britches. Come visit us Monday morning, <laughs> 3rd Avenue, and Bridge Street in Wausau. Stop and then have a cup of coffee, kick the tires. Give us a call locally, 715 715- 849-3600 outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100 or find us online at kelchinassociates.com. Again, he is Merle Kelch and we are making financial sense here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. As always, the show is podcast as well 
at WSAU.com. So if you'd like to hear back any of our banter, you can kick the, uh, kick the tires on that or even get some of the popular Tom King episodes as well. Those are archived online as well. Badger men's basketball coming your way later today here on WSAU. It is going to be a 1 o'clock pregame show and a 2 o'clock tip-off against Illinois. Have yourself a fantastic afternoon.